Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Maine of Your Own with me, Linda Moyo. And me, Claire Quonser. So we're back again. Shall we just have a little uh, hair update? Quick one today. Very quick update. <laughs> I have still got the um, Afro kinky twists that I put in myself that now starting to look like they've been on my head for a very long time. Um, yeah, I need to have a think about what to do next. They still look good. <laughs> they do. Um, and as for me, let's just not even go there. I'm in a phase of not caring Relevant to this podcast, actually, which is going to be about kids' hair, um, I'm actually expecting my second baby. And yay, and I'm in my third trimester and just totally in that, I don't care about anything phase, just get this baby out. (laughs) You're looking good, though, I have to say. (laughs) Oh, thank you. But my hair is suffering, you know, just personal grooming generally. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm just up in a top knot again. It's still sort of straight, but... It's not, I don't think it's been combed or washed since the last podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine, it's fine. Um, So yeah, today we're here to talk about kids' hair, our kids' hair, and various topics around it. So obviously you're having your second child. I've got two kids already. um, And I think we can probably just think about how maybe their experiences might be different to what we were. Yeah what we went through when we were growing up. Obviously, times have changed a bit. There are more products more easily available, I guess, now for yeah. children's hair. Um, do you think, though, that there's more acceptance and understanding around Afro hair for young people these days? I think it's got better, definitely. When I'm thinking about when I was a kid and some of the comments that were made and the kind of lack of understanding when you were looking for, you know, a hairdresser, the shock on their face and that whole kind of having to know someone, you know, know some black woman that could come and cut your hair or do your hair type of thing. I feel like that has changed. It's definitely more out there in terms of, yeah, products, hairdressers, knowledge. Um, But I think there's still a lot, still a lot of room for improvement with it all. And we'll come on to that in terms of schools and just the way that people are about about Afro hair and the reactions that you get and stuff. Certainly for my son, um, my firstborn, he's three and a half and he's at that lovely age where he just doesn't see anything really, doesn't see, doesn't seem doesn't to see, see differences. differences. Yeah, I was going to say that skin colour, hair type, but it is, it's differences. I don't even really think he fully acknowledges the differences between girls and boys. He just he's just happy to sort of be happy with everything and everyone. And in terms of his hair, he doesn't mind having it done. It, you know, it's, it's very dry, so it needs looking after on a daily basis. It needs the moisture. And he's got into that routine and it's just part of his routine of getting dressed, brushing his teeth, having his hair done. He's very sweet as well because, like I said, because he doesn't see differences, he'll see a girl in nursery 
that's white with straight hair and she's got hair up in a ponytail and he, and he says, I want my hair up. <laughs> and, you know, then so I'll put his hair up because it is long enough to kind of fit in a ponytail. And he clearly thinks that they're the same. And yeah. something really, really sweet about that. Um, actually, speaking about three-year-olds, I've got a friend who has a daughter who's three and she has a, a, bit, a bit of a different experience. She's white mm-hmm. and the, the daughter is mixed race. And she said to me, she sort of asked for a bit of advice recently because... Um, this three-year-old has already noticed that Disney princesses don't really have hair or skin like her and it bothers her. And she um, she's also sort of referring sometimes to her own Afro hair as messy, which is not something that her parents have told yeah. her. It's just the kind of perception she's that she's up. built up for herself based on what she sees around her, which is so, so heartbreaking. That's at three years old as well, yeah, it's sad, isn't it? it is. And, yeah, it was difficult to know what to say other than just keep doing what you're doing, keep looking after her hair, keep telling her that she's beautiful and hopefully with us being in 2018 um, and her being a different generation, yeah. there are more people that she can see around her that are like her and equally in the public eye. But it did make me think about Disney. Um, obviously, we've got... Tiana. Tiana, the Princess and the Frog. Which, yeah, all right. It's, it's, it's a good it's a, thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a start. Step. Yeah, it's a start. But to me, Tiana's hair's relaxed in the well, Princess yeah. and the Frog. <laughs> um, and then there was actually some other news quite recently about... she. So she's going to be in Wreck-It Ralph, the yes. movie as well. And she's grown a relaxer out, which is, <laughs> is a nice thing. But then... For the new story that I've seen, it's it's all about that her skin's got a bit lighter and her nose has got pointier. So um, the actress who voices Tiana, Anika Noni Rose, she actually spoke out about that on Instagram and she just said, I've been very quiet on this subject because it was important for me to do my due diligence before publicly addressing something as near and dear to my heart and face as Princess Tiana. This summer, new images were released where she looked very different with lighter skin and much sharper features. I was as surprised as most of her and my fans were. My team and I immediately put in a call to the studio to talk about the visual changes. Um, and then she just goes on and says, three weeks ago, I had a meeting in person with the Re- Wreck-It Ralph team, my original animator and others. So, and I'm not too sure what's happened with that, but it's definitely an interesting thing. And I'm glad that the actress herself has picked up on it yeah. and spoken out. Cause because it's just still, it's those types of messages that then impact on young children, isn't it? You know, there's the, the character that they might have seen in, in one film now being diluted isn't necessarily the word but you know she's being tweaked tweaked more <laughs> yeah to fit you know western ideals of yeah of beauty so it's you know oh, she's suddenly you know her skin is lighter and she's got certain fe- you know, her features yeah. have changed yeah and even the hair thing like i thought yeah great her hair it, she's not wearing it straight but that is not how i imagined tiana's hair to be if it was natural mm. It's a very, it's it's more of a, I guess, a mixed race kind yeah. of look. Uh, whereas the original princess looked black to me. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure why they've done that. But again, it's, you've got to look, I guess, at who is making these who's decisions. Making decisions. Yeah, exactly. Who's in the room when these things are happening? Who's thinking about it? Who's, who's, who's making a call on these things? Yeah. What about your kids? Because you've got a older kid. As well. I have got an older son who is, um, he's 10 now so he's got quite you know thick afro you know tight curls hair um and actually for most of his life um 
we went with the easy, you know, cut the hair down low, go to the barbers every few weeks and his hair was always neat. Um, and then a couple of years ago, he um, just kind of said, oh, he doesn't really want to go to the barbers. He wants to see if he can let his hair grow longer um, to try and grow an afro. And um, we were like, you know what? Fine, let's give it a go, trying mm. to manage his hair. Um, and it was that challenge of trying to keep it neat as well, because... Often it is easy just to go to the barbers every few weeks, cut the hair down low, get the shape up or whatever, and it always looks neat. So that was kind of a learning process for us because actually I've never really had to look after a child's hair (laughs) properly um, that much. So his hair grew and, you know, we looked after it and he got used to having to comb it out, you know, which he wasn't used to before. And it looked great. And at one point it was a full on, you know, big microphone looking afro. And it was really great. And I was really proud of the fact that actually he didn't seem to feel any difference because I've mentioned before that actually where we live, there aren't that many black people around. So I liked the fact that he was celebrating not necessarily celebrating but he was very comfortable with yeah you know embracing his hair and did his how did his friends react did they think he was cool because that was one of my things at school I was had my big afro hair and I just didn't like other kids commenting it on it I just didn't really want to stand out yeah so he um a lot of people did comment on it and I think his friends thought it was cool and you know they just got on with it. He's still normal. I think what he didn't like was um, the touching. Mm. So but as his hair got bigger, it was almost as if people suddenly felt that they had permission to just start touching his mm-hmm. hair, which he really didn't like. You know, sometimes he'd come home and he'd just say, you know, I really don't like it when people just start touching me. And this is like people that, you know, he might not have ever spoken to before mm-hmm. in school and, they just thought that they had the right to come and start touching his hair, which he really didn't like. Um, so we had the conversation. I said to him, well, just tell them that you don't like it. Tell them that it makes you feel uncomfortable and, you know, they wouldn't like it if you just suddenly started touching their hair. Because I don't think we think it's okay to start touching anybody else's hair. As a society, it seems to be an unwritten rule that it's okay to, mm. to touch somebody's big curly afro. But if somebody's got long straight hair, you probably wouldn't feel comfortable to just go up to them and start stroking it, you know, laying your hands through it. So Absolutely. And I think it's one thing that happening to us as adults. I mean, I struggle with that. I always have done. (laughs) Um, But then when it's your kids and yeah, it's something completely new to them. And yeah, like you said, how do they react to that without coming across as angry or... Or a bit of a spoil sport, you know what I mean? And again, that's something I struggle with myself. I was um, in a supermarket not too long ago and I had my long box braids. And the woman at the checkout serving me, she was putting my food through the conveyor belt. And then she looked up and noticed that I had these long box braids. And she went, oh, your hair. Oh, wow. How long did it take you? And as... She was saying this. She reached across the conveyor belt and just grabbed a handful of braids <laughs> and just started to caress them. It's it's really odd, isn't it? And I think mm. it, it might be, I don't know if it's going a bit too deep, but is there something that is um, rooted in people historically that makes it okay to actually treat a person of colour in that way? That Maybe. I don't know. Is it that some people think that it's okay, it's okay to do that to you, mm. you know? I don't I don't know if that's the answer or no, if it's just because people it, still see it as being different yeah. so they're intrigued by it. Yeah. 
And that's the that's what makes it so difficult. For example, that story I've just told you that that particular woman, she wasn't doing it in a malicious way exactly. to her. If I'd have asked her about it, she was just being kind and affectionate and com- trying to compliment me. Um, and as a result of that, I was just stunned to silence, yeah. which annoys me to this day that I didn't say anything, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to come across as angry or yeah, like I said before, a spoil sport. And so, yeah, if I can't cope with that, how, how do our kids? Yeah, exactly. So I have the same problem. Uh, my son, as I said, he's only three and I often, it could just be even someone just walking past, will just ruffle their yeah. fingers through his hair. And I'm just like, I want to say, will you just stop? <laughs> stop, get your dirty hands out of his hair. Because not only does, do I just not like it and it's invading his personal space, there's the other issue that I have, which is he, I spend quite a lot of money on products for his hair, probably more on his hair than my own. <laughs> Because he needs it and I want to take care of his hair. And I don't think people appreciate the amount of products that I have to put on every day to keep his hair the way it is. And that by putting their, their fingers through his hair, they're drying it out. Yeah. You know, and it's just... And they're strangers. Yeah. <laughs> just stop. I don't know where your hands have been. Stop yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So... So, I mean, I... Um... I wrote a piece actually when it was World Afro Day last year. Yeah. Um, wrote a piece just um about what how frustrating it is for my son when he did have his afro. I mean, he did when he turned ten. He decided to cut it all off again, and I was slightly emotional about <laughs> it. But um, so this was yeah this time last year. So the first point was actually around yeah the unrequited touching and how it's just really really strange that people think it's okay to just start patting his head. Um, the second was actually that sometimes people think he's trying to make trying to be trendy or something and actually no it's just his hair's grown it just happens to have grown out rather than down yeah um you know when somebody's again with long straight hair if they happen to let their hair grow nobody's thinking oh my gosh you're trying to be really cool and trendy um at the same time he's not trying to make some kind of political statement you know he's not (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's not that deep for him (laughs) he's just growing his hair um you know, his hair grows up and out rather than the other people's that grows down. Also, people get surprised when his hair is quite soft. You know, I remember growing up again when people think, say, my hair was like a Brillo pad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really you know, dry and coarse. Um, but when people, when they have touched his hair without permission, they're often surprised <laughs> that it's soft. Yeah. You know, and it's that shock. Well, actually, you know what? He does look after his hair. It's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, some people's hair is, is drier than others, but um, his hair is nice and soft. One of the questions that, again, when he had the afro was really, really, which he just didn't get mm. why people were asking, was how he washed it. Oh, right. Okay. How do you wash the hair? And... I mean, because I can be quite sarcastic. I'd be like, well, you know, trying to think I've got the the blood of a dodo. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know, again, it, again it's just not that complicated. The sweat of a unicorn, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's not that complicated. Guess what? Shampoo and conditioner yeah. works. I'm but do you think that is just because people are mesmerised? Possibly, yeah. Mm. I guess they are. And is that, you know, is it because people still don't see enough afros mm just generally in yeah. everyday life that it is still different mm. um so maybe they are mesmerized by it depending on what i've done with my son's hair in the morning and how much product i've put on it and sometimes sometimes he has a an occasional braid out 
yes. So I braid his hair before he goes to bed in quite big braids and then take it out in the morning. <laughs> just gives him a bit more <laughs> length. Um, so depending on what I've done and what I've put on it, depends on how it looks for nursery when he goes to nursery. And quite often, some of the nursery workers will say, oh, has he had his hair cut? And I'm like, no, no, it's just shrunk a bit today. And, you know, it's that whole... Again, it's it's like an educational education. thing, I suppose. It is, it is an education. I, mean, I remember at the, at the peak of Frodom when his <laughs> when his fro was really really big. Um, he used to play in the school orchestra, so I remember the night before we'd like given it a good wash and conditioned and everything, and then in the morning I'd combed it out. It looked it looked beautiful that morning, mm. but this performance wasn't until later in the evening, um, and being a very active was what what eight years old at the time throughout the day playing out you know in playing football rolling around in playgrounds and in climbing frames and all kinds by and, and with people touching the hair by the evening when we went to go and watch him in this performance it was awful his hair was just <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible and I you know I started to feel almost like the mother from um, Napoli ever after you know yeah. to tell you, don't do that you know your yeah. hair looks perfect don't play yeah. don't be active yeah. at all so yeah that was uh... <laughs> it's, it's more difficult for us as mothers isn't it I think like with my son he um often gets involved in sort of messy play at nursery and yeah. things which is great you know that's what I want him to be like but the day he came home with <laughs> porridge oats deep rooted into yes. his, his scalp yeah. like right to the root of his hair and the nursery workers were like oh you know sorry we've been doing an activity <laughs> with you know weighing out porridge oats or whatever they're just dry um, hope you can get it out and I'm like <laughs> yeah so am I I hope I can get it out too and then I got home and I thought oh if I wash this hair and put hot water on it, it might turn to porridge. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I had to spend ages picking it out because it, it is, it gets lost in the coils. Yes. It's not like it can just slide out or you can exactly. just brush it. Yeah. Like I don't really brush my son's hair. Do, do you often take a comb to it like when it was an, an afro? When it was an afro, we did yeah. just to keep it. The shape. Yeah, to keep mm. the shape so so that it was neat in the morning, yeah. it would be combed. So now, because I think he's decided again that he might be growing it again, we're at that funny in-between <laughs> phase that kind of says, you know, what Yay. is going on with this boy's hair? Does his mother look after him? <laughs> um, so he's having to start to yeah. comb it yeah. again. But it is more of an effort to comb. Yeah. You have to really keep on top of it, don't you? I Definitely. use... Um, a tangle teaser brush when it's wet. That's yes. the only way that I'll yeah. We've got a, a attempt to comb it. Yeah, nice moisture. Yeah. When the hair's nice and moist, yeah, bit of it's just damp, and then we can yeah. brush it or comb it, it that way. It just wouldn't sit otherwise. It'd be in tears, I think. Yeah. So I remember actually, I've got a a younger brother in uh, in South Africa now, but was in Zimbabwe, and when I went to visit him once when he was little, um, and I was a lot younger as well. There was one day I was like, oh, let me do your hair for you. Sat him down and he was well up for it as well. And so I got my comb and I started combing it. His hair's very, very tight coils. And I started combing it and and he was really, really quiet. And I just sort of like, after a few minutes, I just took a look at his face just to see if he was okay. And he was just silently weeping. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I felt wow. so bad. I felt so bad. But yeah, it just hurt because it's it's it is more it does get more knotty basically so <laughs> poor kids hey um in terms of products is there anything you particularly use so uh 
Shea Moisture products just because I use them on my hair. Yeah. Um, but also uh, there is a Cantu cream and I can't remember what the actual name of the product is yeah. um, that he tends to use kind of, I'd say, pretty much daily, really. Yeah. So once he's had a shower, his hair's wet, then he puts a bit of the of the cream in before he combs it through. It just makes life yeah. a lot easier. I mean, my younger son hates having his hair combed or brushed so I try to use like tangle teas sometimes a bit of almond oil just to loosen up his hair a little bit mm. um and then we'll try and try to comb or, or brush if I can yeah. get him to sit down for long enough I recently discovered uh these products product range called texture my way it was actually another mother that suggested it to me she said that it tends to work for all sort of spe- all the spectrum of afro hair from like looser curl to a tighter curl and I agree it's it's been really good and the thing I love about it is it's cheap <laughs> <laughs> because they go through it so quick yes. as we do um so you can pick up a bottle or a, they do like these curly cream tubs for two three quid which I think is good um so I use that and then the other one that I'm really fond of is um afro hair and skin companies flourish hair butter yeah that is a little bit more pricey but you only need a little bit and that kind of whatever product you're putting on like a lotion or a cream i find that that then acts as like the lock-in to keep all that moisture in um so in that sense it's good value because it's keeping all the products on the head providing someone doesn't put their fingers through it true (laughs) (laughs) um let's maybe talk a little bit about schools Mm mm-hmm um, reason being, this has actually been in the news recently. Um, it was on the uh, Cambridge uh, Live website. School excludes boy from lessons because his hair is too short. So a Bedford school excluded a 15-year-old boy from lessons because his hair was too short, despite it being a very standard clean cut for a black boy. That's in inverted commas. Um, Celestine Saki-Clark says her son, Emmanuel, who attends Bedford Free School, was left emotionally traumatised when taken out of lessons because his hair was deemed too short. This was at the end of October. Students who break the school uniforms policy are sent to the nurture base, a supervised classrooms where classroom where they must complete set work by the teachers instead of going to lessons. So it's sort of like a detention, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and then the mother says that her son should never have been taken out of a class for his haircut. So, yeah, I think we've heard these kinds of stories before. We have, yeah. It's a shame that these things are still happening. I mean, as a, as a general rule, I kind of have this opinion that when you're sending your child to a school, you you know the rules beforehand around uniform and things. Um, so you shouldn't actively go and break them. Yeah. If there's a rule that you disagree with, you should try to go and have that conversation with the school beforehand. Only because, you know, and think about it in everyday life, if somebody goes and, you know, or dealing with kids, if, if you told a child not to do something, they go and break the rules. Yeah. As much as they try to, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but you're not going to listen to them because they've broken the rules. So you're less likely to have to find a, a reasonable point or to be able to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're less likely to listen to them yeah. once they've already broken the rule. That said, however, and I think this is the issue, as we see so many of these stories coming up, the main problem is that, yeah, let's be honest, the rules are being set by white people for white children yeah and it's from a white perspective so 
there's, if they if they can't involve people um, people of colour, people you know, a culturally diverse um, decision making group, they're never going to be able to have yeah. set in place rules that can be rules that work for a culturally diverse school and audience. Really, yeah. can they? And that's something that they're really going to have to think about. Definitely, because, you know, we are getting more diverse and. It's going to become more and more of an issue. I see more more of these stories as as time goes yeah. on, really, and it's clear that the the rules that are there are just outdated. They're not right yet. They're totally outdated. They are, you know, culturally insensitive. They're not yeah. taking into account anything else. I think it's really really important that yeah they start to. They should have done it a long time ago. Really, you yeah. know, you know, black people have been in this country for a very long time, and it's a shame that um, they still have these rules in place that just don't consider other cultures. So, you know, I mean, like we said, so for this boy, for example, they said his hair was his hair was too short. That you know, that is most, what we class exactly. Neat. <laughs> most you know, young black men a neat haircut is when it's cut down low. That is yeah. neat and and tidy and smart. You know, yeah. somebody's. Going to a special occasion, going to a wedding or whatever, they put they will be getting their hair cut. Yeah, low. For a trim. Exactly. Yeah. It's um it's it's a difficult one. It's it's makes you feel quite sad that we're still talking about yeah. it. Um I think maybe also you've obviously mentioned about black people have been here a long time now, it's time things change. <laughs> I guess though that in history we used to conform. Yes. So as women, yeah. we would relax our hair yeah. and no one would ever question it because our hair would just be similar enough to the white women's yeah. in that sense. And I guess that's where things have changed. We're now embracing a more natural look and schools just don't know how to deal with yeah. it, do they? I mean, and we now feel more, I guess, more empowered. People are, are happier to challenge it because actually, yeah. you know, maybe this mother, so many years ago, her son would have got the detention or the nurture area, whatever it's called, and she would have thought, fine, well, from now on, I'm going to just let his hair grow and yeah. she might not be happy with it. Whereas now she feels like actually she wants to challenge it, which is good that people are trying to challenge it exactly. and have those conversations. Yeah. There was another story actually recently and that was, um, I, can't remember, I think it was another little boy actually, yeah. but he had dreadlocks. Yes. Which again, it's it's lack of knowledge from that school really. It is. It's lack of knowledge and lack of appreciation for what these things mean for certain cultures and certain groups because this yeah. boy you know his family were Rastafarian so yeah. actually he he wasn't have his, his haircut wasn't to do with trying to be trendy mm. trying to make a statement that's his you know that's his religion yeah so that's they no were, different from you know Muslim girl wearing a hijab exactly or exactly so the school was being really insensitive and that's why they need to be <laughs> The educators need to be more educated yeah. themselves and we need to try to challenge them a bit more in terms of having those conversations. So scenario for you, because you've got your son, your eldest son is yep. at school. Yep. If that was you, well, how would you deal with it? So, I mean, it's, it's likely that we might have to deal with it in a, in a year <laughs> or so. So when he starts high school next year, um, mm. I'm aware that there are some of the local schools, we don't know where he's going yet, but some of the local high schools do have quite strict rules around mm. hair for, for boys and girls. One of them being that the lowest they can have is a number three, which when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's, yeah. you know. Do they do they know how much maintenance a number three on an Afro requires? Exactly. I mean, if that is the case, and that's the, if he ends up going to that school, I want to at least try to have that conversation with the school. Mm. So I want to know that I have done my best in terms of trying for him to have that conversation for them to understand that 
that's not really um, the neatest way to maintain mm. a black boy's hair. Yeah, fair enough. They may well turn around to me and say, well, we've had black children come to the school for a long time and no one's moaning about it. Yeah, which their, their mother ain't Claire. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think it's only fair, you know, I think if there's something that you don't like, you have to try and challenge it. You try to have that conversation and, and you see what happens. I mean, mm. I get why they might say, again, because it's you know set by white people for white people generally, I get why they probably say they don't want anything lower than a number three because of the... the the connotations of a number one haircut on a white male child. Mm. Completely different. Exactly. Totally, totally different. So I under- I kind of understand where that thought came from. But again, it goes back to the point that it's culturally insensitive. So um, I would try to have the conversation with them Yeah. to see. I'm just thinking about girls as well. And I think what what's really tough in this modern day is so... If it, if, it, if, it, if it was me at primary school now, I would likely have plaits. Yeah. Because, and I agree with my mum, that is one of the most neatest ways a, a black girl can wear her hair. It's sort of out of her way. Yeah. It's protected and it looks nice and neat. But I guess now the difference might be that if I wore my hair in plaits for school right now, I might have a white friend, a girlfriend who... Yeah would also want to wear plaits and you see it, you know, yeah. so all this talk about cultural appropriation yeah. and stuff. So it happens, you've got your kind of Kylie Jenner types that will yeah. also wear their hair in plaits and do different colours and different things. So what does the school do with that instance? Because in my opinion, the black girl is wearing a hair like that because that's the neatest, tidiest yeah. way she can wear it. And a white girl who equally might just want to wear a hair like that, it would be deemed as more, are oh, you just trying to be trendy and yeah. fashionable? That's a difficult one, isn't it? Really it really is. It really is a difficult one. Um, Can you make one rule for one and not the other? I don't know. Well, well, they kind of do at the moment anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have to just fit into rules that were designed for white children. So it's, but it's hard, isn't it? Because they it can't write the rules and say, right, for black children, it's this. <laughs> for white children, it's that. <laughs> and then what about the mixed race children? <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't, let's not even go there. Yeah. So it, it, is, it is more difficult. But I think, as with everything... Schools just need to start talking about exactly. it. Exactly. Start, start talking, speaking to start parents. listening to parents. That's what yeah. it comes down to, listening to parents, having the conversations with them. Because I think the tougher these rules become, mm. you know, the harder it is then for young children, for young black children, to actually feel that they should be proud of the hair that's on yeah. their when it, head. When it's causing know? such an issue. Exactly. When it's causing an issue, they may well, you know, they're more likely to then just think, well, do you know what, I will just... I will just relax it or I will just mm. do whatever it is that makes it less of an issue that makes makes me blend in yeah. more. Um, if that's easier, then you know what, I'll I'll do that. And you that's want them it. to be proud of the hair that's on yeah. the head. You want them to be proud of who they are and to celebrate yeah. it. But it's hard growing up, isn't it? Because there definitely is phases in childhood and going into becoming a teenager where you don't want to stand out yeah. to that extent. You don't want to stand out for the wrong, what you'd consider the wrong reasons yeah. anyway. So, I mean, I sometimes say to my son as well, I said, it's, it's good to fit in, but you don't need to blend in. Yeah. So you want to be able to, you know, have conversations with people regardless of where somebody's from or how old they are. It's good to be able to have a conversation with them and, and get on with people. You know, mm. you don't necessarily want to be isolated, but then don't almost like water down who, who you, you are, are yeah. just for the sake of being able yeah, to that's fit in. a really nice you know? way of, uh, of approaching that and telling him, because it is hard to know what to say to them. And I guess I'm going to 
have that as well. <laughs> Not at the moment because he's just carefree. But um, yeah, life life is more complex, isn't it? So obviously we've given our thoughts on children and their hair and their experiences in school, but we thought it'd only be fair to ask some children for their thoughts. It was good to hear that a lot of them are quite comfortable with their hair, but some actually don't necessarily have the greatest of experiences. I'm just going to read out something that a friend of ours sent in about her daughter. I had to go into Rebecca's class in year two because some girls were laughing at her hair and saying it was really funny. I asked a teacher to do a circle time on appreciating difference and she didn't. It happened again and the girl said she couldn't play because her hair was so funny. I went in again and told them they needed to meet with the girls and explain it's not okay. I moved on from doing a circle time. I gently reminded Rebecca about this when her sister was asking questions. But she said she couldn't remember what had happened, but I'm pretty sure that she did. The girls now are growing into their hair and starting to appreciate it more. But Rebecca particularly really likes to see people on TV with the same hair as her and loves it when um, her friends and family say how beautiful they look. She does still need a lot of reassurance, which is fab. But both girls actually still tend to slick their hair back into ponies and buns and never wear it out. So that's just a real snapshot in terms of, you know, the way a mother's having to um, look after her children and you know, the experiences that they're having when they're in school. And it's such a shame that girls with such gorgeous, long, bouncy hair feel that they have to tie it back just to avoid getting attention from other people. So if you've got any stories about your children and how they found having Afro hair at school, we'd love to hear them. I only ever had one black doll. It was actually a... Um... An Instagram post I did, this was ages and ages ago, but it was, I found it on, on another website, but I just thought it's su- such a poignant image and it's of a toy shop. So it's like, imagine like Toys R Us or whatever. And it's a little white girl with blonde hair facing all the shelves yeah. of the toy shop. And it's the dolls section and all the dolls are black. And she's just looking up at all these dolls. And it really it got quite a lot of uh, comments on my Instagram page because I think a lot of people just hadn't thought of yeah. it that way around. We're so used to it just being acceptable. Yeah. But imagine if that were the case, the kind of uproar yeah. and the the way that a lot more little girls would feel and boys. Um, it just really... It, it brings really it home, doesn't me. it? It makes yeah. you realise. I mean, I remember um, I didn't have many black dolls when I was growing up. I did, although I did have um, a black Barbie oh. and... She was everything <laughs> to me because I remember actually, I got, I got, she came from America. I had oh, a family wow. in America that sent me this bar because I, it was quite difficult to get yeah, a black Barbie in England yeah. in Manchester. But yeah, I mean, but even though that said, she might have been black, but she was literally just like Barbie just skin. with black skin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was it. Her yeah. features were still, you know, no. she still had the long, straight hair. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it was a start. And I love the fact that she did quote unquote look like me yeah <laughs> she didn't look like me at all no. but um yeah that, that was exciting though um i think barbies have changed a bit more these yeah. days you, you hear them do more around you know whether that's her body shape and features mm. and and hair which is good i am um, to be honest i probably used to just think well it's just a doll. People don't need to take it so seriously. Mm. Um, but I think probably becoming, since becoming a mother, yeah. I'm much more aware of the messages that children 
pick up. So whilst, yeah, she should just be a doll in an ideal world, yeah. that is what a Barbie doll would be, just a doll, just a toy. Yeah. But you start to realise that actually if they are seeing these things consistently being told that this is the ideal of, of beauty or this is what's right, this is how you should look, this is how you should behave, then it does it does impact them and they pick up on it, don't they? It does. And if we, we are becoming more multicultural society, then everything around us needs it's to reflect f- that. Definitely. From food to dolls. And I wanted to mention as well, emojis. Oh, yes. Did you see the curly hair yes. emojis here? Although it's looking a bit like <laughs> oh, it's, Tiana. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Same issue. Uh, I was getting excited thinking it was going to be a full-on throw, but it's, it's not. not it hangs down. Yeah. You know, it's, it's progress. It's a start. It is. <laughs> and I suppose, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? They've also got the ginger one, the yeah. ginger um, emoji. But how long has that taken? It's taken know? a very long time. It's taken people actually asking the question of it. Yeah. Begging for it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, so we've talked about, I guess, external influences. So whether that's in the media or toys and celebrities and that type of thing. But as we are talking about our children, what about the influence that we have on them so Mm. I again probably a few years ago when I started having my hair natural more often and it wasn't necessarily a conscious decision but I realized that my older son because this was before my younger one came along probably didn't actually see my natural hair very often yeah because mummy would have her hair braided I'd undo it at night when he was in bed just because that was easy yeah get up early in the morning wash it sort it out disappear to the hairdressers come back and by the next day my hair's in braids again Mm. so he never really saw that natural hair so it did dawn on me actually that as he gets older what is his view of yeah how will i be influencing his view of what natural hair is like or should be you know am i giving him a positive message when i talk about my hair what am i saying like if i'm saying oh you know my hair's so difficult or, yeah, yeah. you know, they, using the, that type of language. Oh, you so Is right. he then picking up on that yeah, as well? You're so right. And it's probably something we don't think about enough, you know, and but you're absolutely spot on. I think we can talk about outside influences, but we're there with them all the, all time, the time. yeah. And we probably have a bigger impact than we even ever realise. Um, so, yeah, certainly I agree. We, it starts at home, doesn't it? Definitely. I definitely, since having my son made more of an effort not today <laughs> but most of the we'll days <laughs> to I don't know just make him realize that I'm happy with my hair yeah. and I'm happy with all the things that I do with it yeah and it's such a joy to watch him now as well because it clearly has rubbed off I obviously have my YouTube channel where I do these tutorials of platin and all sorts of things and sometimes he wants to see them and he'll yeah. say, I want mummy on the TV. So I'll put it through the Apple TV onto the TV screen and he, just, he can watch me doing my <laughs> hair. And he's he'll literally sit there, try and get into the exact same position that I was when I was filming it because I film oh. it in our living room. And then he gets his hands up to his own hair and pretends to plait. And it's just, he sees that as normal, like plaiting and sort of curly hair and stuff. It's It's just that's his life and that's what he knows and he enjoys it already. So it's really, really nice to see that. That's good. Um, and just to sort of imagine if I only ever wore my hair straight, he would not know any of that. That's and then part you, of it, isn't and it? And you've got to think, I think we probably think this is more of an issue for girls because girls seem to it's so do easy more to with their hair. But I think it's so important for boys because those boys are going to become men exactly. who are going to, you know, look Have for opinions. partners. Exactly. And exactly. what kind of a partner are they going to look for there's always this debate, isn't there, about black men? Yeah. I've seen it this week, actually, on um, 
the Black British World Facebook page about, I think they were interviewing a rapper. It was a a black woman interviewing a a, a black rapper saying, why do black rappers always go for light women, light skinned women or white women? Why is that? And there's a big debate about it. And I think, again, does it, is it, is it to do with, I don't know what, what they're surrounded by, what, what they almost, what they've learned as beauty. Yeah. You know, what is the the ideal woman? Yeah. You know, should she be lighter skinned, have straighter, softer hair? hair, Exactly. That's it. And I think, yeah, it's tricky with that because we do live in the UK. And when you look at the statistics, we are a very small minority. You know, we just are. So they're always going to be surrounded by a lot more white women. Mm. But as mothers, I think we could do more to sort of show them otherwise. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got to keep doing it. (laughs) Show them otherwise. Try to speak positively about our own hair or other people's hair. You know, I I think culturally we do tend to judge people's hair, (laughs) you know? You know, if you see a a black woman on the TV, oh, look at the state of her weave or we we naturally judge. I don't think, I can't think of many other cultures that so naturally draw (laughs) you know, are drawn to looking at people's hair when you first yeah. see them. You know, oh, yeah, it's yeah. like, well, just like your mum was saying in the fir- first podcast when she cut her hair really, really short and one of her friends said, oh, you're brave. Like, yeah. rather than, oh, it looks nice yeah. or, oh, good on you, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it would be great if any listeners out there would share their experiences of their kids. Um, I've already had a few comments actually through Instagram and stuff yeah. about asking for this, asking for us to talk about children's hair. And I imagine it might be something we'll talk about again, again because yeah. there probably will be more of those stories and things that we want to touch on. Yeah, so do do let us know if you have any comments or suggestions using the hashtag main of your own. <laughs> yeah. Get in touch, let us know what you think. And we'll be back again with another podcast in a couple of weeks. So thanks for tuning in again. Thank you. Bye.